Lord, we just want you today, God, and as we are here worshiping you, we we thank you for your presence, Lord, that we feel. We thank you that your spirit is moving upon us already and drawing us to you, God. Lord, we know that you will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because we trust you. And Lord, help us to trust you, God, from the depths of our soul, from the depths of our being, Lord. Remind us, Lord, that you are both with us and in us, even right now as believers, God. And so, Lord, quiet our minds, Lord, quiet our heart, and may we find your presence so strong, God. May you bring us, Lord, into that that place of sitting at your feet that we may hear your voice. Bless your word today. Anoint it with your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Aloha, everyone. God bless you guys. Uh, God bless you, uh, those who are online connected too. Um, if you can grab your Bibles and open them up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to continue our study there. 1 Peter chapter 1. Hey, I can't see too good. I should put my glasses on. <laughs> hey, there it is. Uh, while you're turning there, I do want to remind you that uh, next Sunday will be our communion Sunday. So just come with your hearts prepared and remembering the Lord and uh, giving him honor at for all that he has done in dying on the cross for us. So I just want to put that in your minds for as we come to the first Sunday of the month and as what we regularly do is partake in communion together at the end of the service. All right, well, I prayed already. We're going to get into First Peter as we have started this new book last week. And I was thinking about this. Isn't it funny how when someone else takes a long time to do something, right? We see them as being slow. But when we take a long time, we just say, oh, we're being thorough. It's funny how when someone doesn't complete maybe some task, you know, we see them as being lazy. But when we don't finish something, we say, oh, well, we've been busy. It's funny how when someone is successful in what they do, we see them as being lucky. But in our accomplishments, we say, well, it's because we deserve it. It's funny how we see things differently through our own eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, in my eyes, it's like this, you know, when, especially when it talks about ourselves. But you know what? God wants us to see things as he sees things. And today we come back to our study in the book of First Peter. And that's what we find. We find the Lord ministering to us that he wants us to have a new way of seeing things. And that's the title of our message. A new way of seeing things. And actually this is part one. Uh, We may be able to do it in two parts, Uh, we might go to three, but for today it's part one, a new way of seeing things. And this is what God is going to be teaching us here, uh, what Peter's writing about here in the book of 1 Peter. Today in part one we're going to be covering 1 Peter chapter 1, 
uh, from verse 3 through 5. Just three verses, and we're going to get a little more deep into it. And I just love studying the Word, and I just love how it uh, speaks to us, transforms us, and how we learn. So I hope you can learn as we take our time to go through this next section in First Peter. So God wants us to see, really, there's three things, and this is really our our whole section we're going to be seeing through verse 12. But uh, this is our outline we're going to be covering in part one and probably part two, maybe part three. But number one is God wants us to see there's joy in your salvation. Number two, God wants to show us in our passage or in our section, there is joy even in the trials. And number three, God wants us to see there's joy in knowing Jesus. So those are the three things we're going to cover from verse 3 through verse 12. But this morning, we're going to do part one and just take the first one. The first uh, number one in our outline. There's joy in your salvation. Number one is joy in your salvation. And and this is something that, I've whether it's reminding you, or it's just bringing to light that we should have a new way of seeing things in our life. And as I mentioned, we're going to be covering verse 3 through 5. So let's take a look at those three verses for number one, joy in your salvation. It says here, verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So this is our section we're taking here in part one in a new way to see things. And this is our first section of number one, joy in your salvation. And so uh, uh, we're going to take this little by little. Now, Peter writes here with the focus, as you can see, on the believer's salvation in Jesus Christ. So I just want to put that into your minds right now. Remember, we learned last week that this is a time where believers are going through fierce persecution. They're facing death, right? Nero is on the rampage, all of Rome. They're going after Christians. Many are being tortured. They're dying. And so these are very troubling times for Christians. You can imagine the stress, the worry, all the things that that they're feeling at this moment, at this time. And so Peter writes this letter, right? Hey, these are troubling times, but remember our theme, we can find grace and hope in it. So first of all, as we come into verse 3 to 5, Peter brings attention now to our salvation. He brings attention to the work of God in believers by saying this in verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter begins with this word, blessed. Now, when he says, blessed be the God, it's really a, comes from this Jewish term in the Old Testament where they would say, bless God. In the Greek, it's literally just bless God. But he's saying, 
Blessed be to God. And then he kind of brings in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews in the Old Testament never got never called God Father. It was Jesus who started this. So this brings in that New Testament idea of Father, God the Father, in Jesus Christ, His Son, who we have our salvation in. And so Peter's bringing it all together here, but he starts with this first word, blessed. The word blessed means praise. It means appreciation even. And so Peter's saying, let's praise him let's give appreciation let's let's be thankful and the greek word for blessed is also related to another word that means someone who is in that state of joy or happiness so what i put together here in my mind is that for believers now we praise god in that joy of our salvation and thus our heading we can come and bless the Lord. We can praise Him. We, we can give Him our appreciation from the joy in our hearts that come from the salvation that God has worked in our lives. So, right away, Peter, in this letter, he writes, Hey guys, let's praise God. It's a calling for believers to join in with Peter to give joyful praise to God the Father. In the Old Testament, the Jews blessed God, their creator, for saving them from the bondage of Egypt. Well, here Peter's bringing in that idea from the Old Testament, Matt bringing in uh, through the New Testament thought. Here Peter directs believers to bless God who sent his son to save us from the bondage of sin. So with this thought in mind that we come to bless God, we come to praise God, you know, no matter what you're going through today, no matter if you walked in and what you're heavy hearted about, whatever's troubling you, no matter what you're going through your life, uh, no matter how you feel, there is always a reason to worship and praise God. And that's what Peter brings in. First of all, we can bless, yeah, bless God the Father for Jesus Christ for our salvation. This is this whole section. So I want you to put that into your minds that no matter what you're thinking, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, there's always a reason to come here to church to start worshiping God, to start praising Him. Perhaps maybe as I'm talking about this, the, the real question today for you is, do you have that joy of your salvation? Or maybe the trouble has been overwhelming that joy. Maybe trouble has just risen up so much and that's all you're focused on. Well, Peter's saying, wait, wait, we're going to start first things first. Hey, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, maybe today is a time to start seeing things differently. Now, Peter goes on to give us four things to basically praise God about. Four things that will generate joy in your salvation. And that's what we're going to really get into here. And the first thing we see next is praise to the Father for His mercy. So number one is praise to the Father for His mercy. So right after he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, then Peter says, according to 
His great mercy. Salvation in Jesus is because of God's mercy in our lives. The word great here, before uh, great mercy, the word great here means much, much in amount. God has poured out so much mercy on our lives. And mercy, we know that, right? It's not getting what you deserve. We've been given mercy. Grace is what? Getting something you don't deserve. But mercy is not getting what we deserve. And what do we deserve? We deserve, right, an eternal separation from God. Romans 6.23, right? The, the, the wages of sin is death. This eternal separation from God because of our sin. That's what we deserve. Yet God did not leave us in that state, right? He sent Jesus. He brought Jesus into our lives to save us. And so all of our salvation is according to his great mercy. So here's Peter. Hey, we're going to bless God here. We always have a reason, no matter what you're going through, right? And the first thing is praise to the Father for His mercy. Give praise to the Father for His mercy, for He is so merciful for us. And we we know why, because it's His love, right? We know because it's His his kindness toward us. I want you to turn over to the Old Testament, to the book of Micah. Micah chapter 7 and we're going to look at verse 18 micah seven eighteen. now micah's a little book so if you if you go to like hosea you went too far um it's after amos it's after jonah uh um, i think it's right after jonah and then it's if if you're in zephaniah you need to go a little more to the left a little more to the left from Ze- zechariah malachi But Micah chapter 7, verse 18, it says this, Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. The old King James is mercy. God delights in mercy. Can you catch that? He delights in it. It's something he desires. It's something he loves to give. He loves to give that mercy, that steadfast love, to to hold back what we desire because he loves us. So understand that today, that this is the Father's heart. This is what's inside of him. So don't let the devil say anything different here. Don't let the devil change what God's heart really is, is that he does delight in giving mercy. Have you failed God? Maybe some habitual sin has come upon you. You know what? He's reaching out in mercy. Perhaps you you stumbled this week. Perhaps just this morning something happened. He delights in mercy. I think sometimes you know what I, I do when I do a lot is I I kind of put on God on how I uh, uh, handle mercy. Yeah, and and I'll give mercy, but I put limits on it. Yeah, only a certain number of times, or five times. That's it. You know. 
Maybe for you it's only one time. Oh, no, you only get three chances. And look, I have a saying, three strikes and you're out, right? And sometimes, so we do, that's the way we handle things. We think God does the same thing. But biblically, we're finding that God does not put limits on like that. It's like an ocean of mercy that he has for you. And the worst of the worst, God still gives that mercy, doesn't he? He's given mercy to us to come and save us. I was thinking even in uh, uh, Acts chapter 9, you remember Paul or Saul, he was called before he got saved. Remember, he was this Pharisee, right? Crazy Pharisee, uh, uh, determined to get rid of all the Christians. So he would go around in Acts chapter 9, he actually got legal authority to go around, go into Damascus, go around the area to persecute Christians, to, to arrest them, to imprison them, and even kill believers. He had murdering thoughts about all this. But then what happened? Jesus appeared to him and saved him. Jesus just came. It wasn't like Paul was seeking Jesus. Paul was against Jesus totally, but Jesus stopped him in his tracks and appeared to him. We know the story. And you know what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.13 that I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor, an insolent opponent. In other words, he was this bully. Yeah? But then he says, but I receive mercy. That's what God does. And he, don't let Satan say anything different, but God is a merciful God. And isn't that something we can joy in in our salvation? All right, so Peter calls on believers to give praise to God and to generate this joy in your salvation. Number one, praise to the Father for His mercy. Number two, praise to the Father for the living hope. Praise to the Father for the living hope. Now the next section in verse 3 it goes on after great mercy. It says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All right, so first of all, by the mercy of God, by that salvation that Jesus gives believers, right? We are born again. God has caused us. God has, has made it. So we're born again in Jesus Christ. Now this term is from John chapter 3. Remember when the Pharisee Nicodemus went to Jesus at night and was seeking Jesus about you know, salvation and things of heaven and all that. And, and Jesus said, oh, you know what, you've got to be born again. That's where that term comes from. It, it, it really talks about uh, how we can be regenerated in God. That God has to regenerate us. And in salvation, we are regenerated into being, what? You guys know, right? A new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. God knows that our old sinful self is not capable of following Him. It never, it never was. It never could. So He made, you know what? I like to think about a new model. <laughs> I got a whole new car, you know, here. That we're a whole new model in Christ. We have a whole new life. We're born again. Yeah? But born, we were dead spiritually, Ephesians 
2 talks about, but now we're born into this new life, a new person in Christ Jesus. And so because of that, because we have this new life in Jesus, believers are born again to, verse 3, a living hope. And I love this part. A living hope. Not a dead hope, but a living hope. Now, hope, that word, uh, really means expectation of good things to come. Right? And the NLT actually translates this great expectations. And as we look at hope, it's not just hope, but it's a living hope. It's a hope that is alive. Think about that. A hope that is dynamic. It's growing. It, it grows stronger. It, it grows bigger every day. Now, understand, when the Bible talks about hope, it, it's not wishful thinking. A lot of times we use the word hope as, well, I, I really hope so. Yeah? But when the Bible puts hope in here, and this is a living hope, it really speaks of, of something for sure. So it's not, well, 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 I really hope so. It's, I know so. That's the idea. I know so. And this is the hope in the Bible. And, and I believe as we as believers grow in Christ, we experience God in our lives, as we learn more about who Jesus is and who the Lord is and the Father taking care of us. And, and as we get into the Word more and we understand it more and, and see the promises of God and we see God uh, uh, fulfilling His promises in our life, answering our prayers as we stand upon His promises, you know what? Our hope, what? Grows. It grows stronger. It's living. It grows in eager anticipation of what we know for sure God will do for us. That's the living hope, you guys. For our lives, for the future, for, for every day, for, for, for even sometimes trying to sort out our past, like I don't know about, but, but we have hope that, well, even in our sins, God forgives us. Even in our, our past failures, that God can flip them around to, for his good and glory. We have hope in our lives with Christ. How can we be so confident? Well, Peter throws this in, right, at the end of verse 3. Hope through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope is, is, is through this because we the resurrection of Christ, because we know Jesus is alive, so our hope is living. We know Jesus rose from the dead, so we have a living hope now. See, the believer's living hope is based on substance and truth. That's why it's living. That's why we have a solid hope. That's why we can say, I know so. Because our hope is based on substance and truth. Jesus did rise again from the dead. He is what? Alive. He is alive right now. He's living. There's no doubt about it. Can you, uh, you know what I was trying to imagine as I was, I was studying this and reading this? I could imagine Peter. Imagine his, his emotion in this writing. Imagine when he's writing this. Yeah, What's in his heart? He goes... You guys, I know Jesus is alive. I saw him with my very own eyes. 
I, I, I hugged him. I, he was right there in the upper room and he appeared to all of us disciples. Yeah? He, he, he was right there in the Sea of Galilee. When I was giving up, when I thought, oh, my ministry is over, God can't use me. He came to me and called me into ministry. Right there with me. For 40 days he spent time before he ascended with us all disciples, teaching us, sharing with us the gospel, everything, putting everything together for us so that we would be the apostles to go out and share the gospel. Acts chapter 1. Can you imagine Peter and his, his emotion, passion? I know he's alive. See, a dead man cannot bring about resurrection. Or your resurrection, right? Only a live one can. That's why Paul even wrote, he said, you know, if Christ did not rise again from the dead, then everything we preach, all of our faith is, is in vain. It's nothing. But he did rise again. And Paul himself saw him with his own eyes. We know Jesus did rise again. And so you know what that means? That means we have this living home. And that means that when we die, we're going to rise up again also. When it's time for us to go, we will rise up into eternal life. And I'll tell you also, it, all, it means that we will rise up to live this new life, a resurrected life even right now as a new person. See, it's not just at death that we have a living hope and we're, we're resurrected, but it's, it's our living hope today in, in living for God right now. Leon Morris wrote this, The same power that brought Christ back from the dead is operative within those who are Christ. The resurrection is an ongoing thing. I love that. It's ongoing for us, you guys. So we have a living hope that we hold on to. That, that, yeah, maybe we failed here, but God's mercy is there. We have a living hope that God is changing us and working in us because we're a new person. We have a living hope that those desires to, to seek God, be with God, study His Word, that, that's growing more and more because God put it in there. So here's Peter. Give praise to the Father for the living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Give praise to the Father for this living hope. I don't know about you, but doesn't that generate this, this emotion in here, inside of you? Doesn't it generate, like, stir you up? Like, yeah. This is the living hope I have. This is Christ in me. It should, it should stir you up to have joy in your salvation. Samuel Medley wrote a well-known hymn that went like this, and you'll recognize this. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet sentence gives. He lives, he lives, who once was dead, he lives, my ever-living head. I encourage you, look it up. Read, read this hymn. Because there's so much in it. I wanted to read the whole hymn to you. But I thought, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to be here for hours. No. Um, but let me read to you the fifth verse, the fifth stanza. It reads like this. He lives to silence 
all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. Isn't that good? The resurrection of Christ gives us living hope that He's alive and we're alive and that God is there working in our lives. So Peter says, Hey, you guys, praise to God. Praise God. Give praise. Have joy in your salvation because you know what? No matter what the worst Nero can do to you, it'll never change the fact that Jesus is alive and you're alive in Christ. It'll never change that fact. Even if Nero brings about death, that won't change it, right? Because you'll be with Christ in heaven. You will rise again from the dead. And so Peter's like, have that living hope be alive praise God for that living hope no matter what you're facing no matter trouble even death all right so Peter calls on us to to praise God that it would generate this this joy of salvation praise to the father number one for his mercy praise to the father for the living hope and now number three we get into verse four Number three is praise to the Father for your inheritance. Praise to the Father for your inheritance. This should generate joy in your heart. So look at verse four. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we will be resurrected. We have this living hope that when we die, that we have an inheritance there for us. Believers will receive a future inheritance. And you know what this is? This is Peter, right? He's, he's, a, he's a Jewish guy, right? He grew up learning the Old Testament. And so this is really an Old Testament concept of how the children of Israel inherit Canaan, right? The promised land. Remember all that time God had, had taken them out of Egypt, went through the wilderness to head them toward where that nation would be planted, that they would inherit Canaan, would be theirs, right? The whole book of Joshua, taking the land, all that. That was the promised land. So it's an Old Testament idea, this word inherent, inheritance, about gaining that promised land, to go live in that promised land. So what's Peter talking about here? He's taking that Old Testament idea and saying, look, your promised land, your inheritance is heaven. You will be resurrected as Jesus is resurrected. This is our living hope. As he is alive, you will be alive and you will be brought into your inheritance, which is heaven. And look at this inheritance. He, he describes it as it's imperishable. Uh, the word really means it's not uh, corruptible or won't ever be ruined. Uh, 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 like, like natural calamities in the world won't wipe heaven out. Yeah? Uh, 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 hostile armies, you know, another country won't come and overtake he heaven and you lose that, that place, that land for you. Uh, it's not going to be like, I was thinking, well, imagine, you know, the floods that are going on in Kentucky right now. Yeah, and, and people losing their houses and stuff. And it's like, no, it's not going to be like that. No, it's imperishable. He also says the inheritance is undefiled. 
It means unstained or unpolluted. The fallen world cannot affect yeah, your inheritance. Not at all. And it cannot. Remember in Revelation 21, I think it was, we learned that nothing defiled can enter into the new Jerusalem, our final heaven. Remember when Jesus said, hey, you guys, store up your treasures up in, in, in heaven, not on the earth where, where moth eat and rust, you know, comes in and, and destroys it, right? No, put it in heaven. That's the idea. Our treasures are in heaven, undefiled. It also, this inheritance is unfading. In other words, it doesn't lose its freshness or its glory. It's not like a flower that, that will wilt, you know. Uh, I like to buy flowers for my wife, but eventually, even you put in a vase, you put that special solution, eventually, what? It, it, it's going to die. Yeah. The idea is it, it, it doesn't even lose its value, right? Everything we buy eventually is going to, well... Not everything, but mostly everything will, will, will lose its value, right? You, you buy, cars get old, it loses its value, right? Uh, you paint your house, it fades, yeah? Eventually you've got to paint it again. So Peter's like, no, it's not going to be anything like that. And then he says at the end of verse 4, that your inheritance is kept in heaven for you. In other words, it's kept safe, ready for you. It's, it's kept in heaven. All that you're going to receive in heaven, it's waiting there for you. Your place, your, your room in that mansion of God. The word kept means guarded and protected. It means preserved. The old King James word here, in, they translate it as reserved. It's reserved in heaven for you. So no matter, think about this, what goes on here on this earth, Weather events, yeah, uh, uh, political events, no matter what it is. No, economy goes up and down. No matter what goes on, no matter go, what goes on on top of you, health, yeah, uh, 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 you lose your home, whatever it is, whatever goes on, it's not going to change your place in heaven. So Peter's saying, Give praise to the Father for your inheritance. That inheritance is waiting for you. It's, it's protected. It's, it's right there reserved for you. So give praise to the Father. That's another reason to have joy, right? What God has ready for us in heaven, that place. No matter what happens to your investments, no matter what happens here, no worries about where are you going to? Your inheritance that the Father has for His children. Years ago, I, 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 I came in late to a hotel in Oahu, and I was checking in late. And uh, when I went to check in, you know, they're like, um, okay, well, what we have left is, is um, a room with two single beds. And I was like, wait, you know, my wife's with me. I had reserved a, a, a king bed, you know. What's this? I don't want to go back to Ricky and Lucy days kind of thing, right? But, but it's like, wait, wait, what? I'm, I reserved it. I know I'm, I'm late, but they're like, well, yeah, we don't actually hold your actual room. And I thought, that was the first time I learned it. I thought, no, that's a room, you know, I paid for ahead of time, everything, but they don't. And I thought, that's junk, right? You know, now you change it up on me. You know, it's not, I thought, 
I didn't think you'd be first come, first serve. Yeah. But let me tell you, heaven's not like that. You know, he, God has it reserved for you. It's kept for you. It's not like, oh, sorry, uh, so-and-so went before you, and so, so you lost the room with the view, you know. All we have is the basement, you know, kind of things. It's like, no, it's not like that with God. It's kept for you. So isn't that good to know? That should, that should give us assurance and joy in our salvation that this is part of what God does in saving us, that, that He doesn't give away our inheritance at all. Yeah? He doesn't spend our inheritance so that there's nothing left for you. Right? Oh, you know, I had to help this person who was having a hard time on earth, so uh, I, I, I borrowed from you, but, you know, there's no more. You know, it's not like that. You have a place reserved waiting for you kept for you with God in heaven. Everything that heaven's going to offer you and, and be for you, it is there for you right now and will always be until you go. Isn't that great to know? That should generate joy in what Jesus Christ has done for us in saving us. It should just generate joy in your salvation. Well, so Peter calls us to praise God. Number one, praise to the Father for His mercy. Praise to the Father for the living hope. Praise to the Father for your inheritance. And number four, our last one. Peter says, praise to the Father for a secure future. It just flows from our last one. So number four is praise to the Father for a secure future. So verse five who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now in verse 5, Peter begins here by writing this word, who. The word who really is not about so much the place we've been talking about, but this is talking about you. Who? You. You, you believer, you have been saved in Christ. It's in, re, re, in reference to you, your, your life in heaven, you. Your life in heaven, basically, you. Your, 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 your eternal life is uh, guarded, basically, by God's power. That, that, that's what he's saying here. Who by God's power is guarded. So your life, your eternal life, God is, is keeping that. He's, he has the, the power over that for you to have a life in eternity. The word guarded means, really, it's a word that is used as, it means garrison. It's a military term. It's like Roman soldiers set up, you know, in their, their citadels and their towers, you know, protecting the city. There's a, a garrison protecting. Protecting your future life in eternity. So Peter's saying, look, your future is kept secure by, you know how? The unhindered power of God. It's really saying, you know, once you're saved, you know, in Jesus, your salvation is safe. It's secure here. You're going to make it all the way to heaven. 
Turn over to John now. Turn to the left of the, the Gospel of John. John chapter 10. John 10. And I, I just love this verse. I hope it brings comfort to you. Um, as you're turning there, John chapter 10, we're going to look at verse 28 and 29. 28 and 29. But as you're turning there now, now this is, uh, these two verses come when Jesus had been talking about being the shepherd. Uh, that he said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his down for his sheep. So he's the shepherd over God's people, which is, you know, kind of reminds us of, of just our last study in Psalm 23. So with that idea in mind that God is our shepherd, look at verse 27. 27. Did I say 28, 29? Uh, I think, oh yeah, I did. But look at verse 27, <laughs> just above. He says, my sheep... Now, hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So here's that shepherd-sheep analogy. Then he says this in verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. In other words, they'll never perish in hell. They're going to live an eternal life in heaven. And then it says in verse 28, And no one will what? Snatch them out of my hand. He's the shepherd holding the sheep. And no wolf, no predator, no one is going to come and snatch the sheep away out of this shepherd, Jesus, our shepherd's hand. And then he adds in verse 29, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And that really relates to God, the power of God. We're guarded, yeah? And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You know what? Um, uh, pastors, theologians call verse 28 and 29 the double grip of God. <laughs> yeah. The double grip of God. Yeah. No one will take away your future and eternal life in heaven. No one can. Once you're saved in Jesus, God is there and it's by His power our future is kept secure by that unhindered power of God. Back to First Peter now. And so we hold on to this truth now. How? Well, Peter says in verse 5, through faith for salvation. We hold on to this because by faith we know what the gospel says. We're saved, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? Uh, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not us. It's what God does. Yeah? It's a gift of God. Right? And it's not of our works, lest we would boast. So through faith, we know this is salvation, the truth of God. We know through faith, Christ died on a cross, rose again from the dead, made atonement for our sins, and now we have new life in him, and we have eternal life. And so by faith, we hold on to this living hope. So don't listen to the lies in your head. Don't listen to the lies of Satan. Ah, God, God, Paul, he done with you. Ah, he doesn't want you. No, no. Salvation, remember, salvation is, 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 is like past, present, future. Yeah? It, salvation isn't just, oh, I, when I said the prayer in the past, I'm saved, and, and then that's it. No. There's, there's also salvation means he's doing a work right now in the present. We're new creations. He's growing us. We're becoming more like Christ. And there's a future. 
in salvation, and that is eternal life in heaven. So through faith, we understand that. Through faith, we hold on to that. So by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation. And then look at the end. At the end of verse 5, it says, ready to be revealed in the last time. So Peter's saying, in other words, it's all going to come together in the last time. All this salvation, Jesus saving you for bringing you to heaven to grow you, to become like him, to this whole relationship and experience with God is going to all culminate and it'll be revealed in that last time. And what is that? He's talking about referring to when Jesus Christ returns. The end of the tribulation, he's going to return to set up his rule and reign on earth. And we're going to be with him. Yeah, and we're going to be living in the millennium, ruling and reigning with him, being his servants and all. It's all going to come together here, this future that we have. And after that is, is that final heaven. And so it's going to be revealed. It's going to be unveiled. And I like, I think this is what he's saying. It's, this is what he's saying, that it's going to be unveiled for everyone to see that, you know what, your faith is real. That Jesus is real. That what he did on the cross is real. That your living hope is real. That it's a true thing. And so Peter's like, hey, you guys, I know Nero's doing this stuff. I I, I know it's heavy time right now. I know we we don't know if we're going to live another day. I know it's hard to even go out and get all stressed out. But know this, hang on, hang on. Your future is set. In Jesus. Your future is Jesus. And one day and the whole world will, will be revealed that it's true. And what you believe in, what they think isn't true, and what they're doing to you because they think it's not true, it's going to be evident to everyone. What's coming is all will realize that your faith in Jesus is true. And so your future is safe and secure in him. So that's what Peter's saying here. Peter's saying, give praise to the Father for your future is is set. It's safe. It's secure in Jesus. This is one thing, you guys, that we can can bank on. This is one thing that we can can put everything on. And, And we need to hold on to that. We need to understand that. We need to believe in what we know what the Word of God says. And that should, that should settle us. That should stir us more for Jesus. That should give us a security that no matter what's going on right now, that, oh, I'm glad that in the future it's going to be Jesus. And my faith will come true. I saw a recent article on how, you know how there's like, they're bringing in the technology of self-driving cars, yeah? Not just Tesla, but, you know, Ford and GM and and, 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 you know, they're, they're hoping one day, at least in my mind, that, oh, you can just set the coordinates and you just go sleep, you know, and you reach your destination, right? But it's not perfect, right? I was reading this article that in 2021, there was 400 accidents was reported. 273 was with a Tesla. So it's not all there yet. You, you can't sleep yeah, and just let the car, car go. No, it's still a little dangerous, and you cannot trust it totally. Yeah. Now, I don't know when and how secure self-driving cars will be in the future, but what I do know is that absolutely 
for sure and secure is what God has for my future. Is what God has for your future as a believer in Christ. And you know with that, that should give us reason, no matter what's going on, to have joy. Joy in our salvation. Knowing that tomorrow, that, that our life here on earth, it, it really is temporary. You know, yeah, we, maybe we live long lives, but compared to eternity, it's like temporary. And as I get older, I'm, I'm realizing time goes by like that, doesn't it? I was like, well, where do years go? What? I, I'm 60 already. What's going on here? My mind has to catch up, though. <laughs> yeah, right? My mind's still back in 20 and, 20 and 30 years old. But time is going by fast. But today, we can say, I know what tomorrow's be like. And my hope is living in tomorrow. Maybe in all of this, it's reminding you of what we have in Jesus. I hope today that you're being stirred up again. And, and just getting back to, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. Getting back to worshiping God. And not having your attention so drawn away from all the troubles. Well, hopefully what Peter's trying to do is, first of all, we need to look at what God has done for us and not let troubles in our life steal the joy of our salvation. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Perhaps like we need to cry out like David did in Psalm 51.12. He cried out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's, I believe, what God is calling us to do. And I'll tell you, it's only found in Jesus, right? As we've been seeing, it's only found in the salvation of Jesus. I mean, if, if, if we look up again in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, well, blessed be the God and Father of what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that, that's the focus, right? If we have Jesus, we have salvation. If we have salvation in Jesus, we have hope. We have salvation in Jesus. If when we have Jesus, we have it all, you guys. And if we have Jesus, we have joy. It's all with Jesus. I'll close with this story. A man passed away, uh, but he had no heir to receive all his earthly goods. There was no one for the inheritance. You see, his son has passed away before him. And so because there was no heir, uh, there was an auction that was set. Many people showed up for this auction. There's a lot of things that people wanted. There's a lot of good things, good stuff. But, but when the auctioneer started the auction, the first thing he did was he presented this framed picture of the man's son. But he didn't auction it off. He offered it for free. Now, everyone in the room didn't want the, just this picture of, of his son. They wanted to bid on all the other valuable, great stuff there, right? Yet there was one poor woman who had really been the governess for, for this boy or this son through all, in his early years because the mother had passed away in childbirth. 
So she still had this, held this special place in her heart for the son. So, so, so she went up to the auctioneer. She went forward, and she took the picture and embraced it. Now, at the same time as she was embracing the picture, she tried to offer uh, the little she had, but the auctioneer said, no, no, I said this is for free for anyone who would take it. And, and so, no, this is at no cost to you. Well, while the woman was still up there and holding the picture, uh, the auctioneer then turned to the room. And everyone started to get excited to get things going. And the auctioneer took his gavel and threw it down. And to the shock of everybody, declared that the auction is now over. It's closed. Well, everyone was in shock. Everyone's grumbling. What? What's going on? But then the auctioneer quieted the room and told them, that on the back of the painting is this envelope. And in the envelope contained the actual will. And on the will, it said, whoever receives freely the picture of my son inherits all of the father's fortune. Isn't that great? I love that picture. It's the same with God. Whoever embraces the son, Jesus Christ, inherits all that God has for us. Heaven, eternal life. So you understand, if you have Jesus, you have salvation. If you have Jesus, you have that living hope. If you have Jesus, you have everything, you know, everything you need. If you have Jesus, then we can have joy. And so Peter puts this all out for us so that we would have a new perspective, yeah? That we would live our lives with this perspective of our life and our future. That we would have now a new way of seeing things. Let's pray. Lord, how wonderful it is to go through this, just three verses, Lord. But it's so deep and rich with you, God. They just ooze, Lord, with your love, your mercy, your grace. They they, they just speak of your power, Lord. They speak of salvation and how you saved us, and they speak, Lord, of our future and what you have for us, Jesus, of what we have to look forward to, of the living hope that we have. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and our hope is alive, God, and that we have a future. I know sometimes on this earth we look to tomorrow and we think oh lord i don't know we just see more darkness and pain and trouble but god though our life here on earth may be filled with those trials and troubles god you're there you are with us and you're you are in us and you have made us into new creations that can get through it all that with you and your strength and your promises God, we can find victory in these things. We can get through it, Lord, with you. But our confidence is in after this life, there is a future in you. So, Lord, God, help us to focus in how blessed we are and to bless you for our salvation. Help us not to be overwhelmed and off-focused, Lord, but restore to us the joy of your salvation today. 
And give us, Lord, a new way of seeing things now. Seeing you in them. Lord, we love you. We need you so much, God. We thank you that you minister to our hearts and you speak to us. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.